Hello and welcome to another edition of the Orange and Blue Review. I am Charlie Hatch. She is Alex Deck, and we are back after taking a week off. Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'd like to give a, a shout out, a thank you to our listeners for letting us uh, take a week off since I needed a bit of a break over the weekend. Not gonna lie. As you guys know, we pre-record this, so it was nice to have some time with family and you know, just get a few days off after 31 straight days in Orlando in the bubble. So it's, uh, it is so nice to be back in the Queen City. I think my favorite thing is just going about at my own free will, you know, wherever I want to go, I can walk down the street, I can go for a run, I can go to the coffee shop, whatever, whatever I want safely with a mask, of course, but it's just, it's very nice to be back. Yes, welcome back. I still haven't left. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Eva, gone across the country i haven't moved <laughs> you came back i've moved anyway um well fc cincinnati is back as well we know that now they're going to be playing some games at nippert stadium which is a uh new development which could have happened yes. in march of course so yeah fc cincinnati have six games coming up on their schedule they begin next week on the 21st against dc united and then it really just doesn't stop does it very, very quick turnaround. I mean, these games are very close to one another. Um, I think that's going to be a really big thing that we look at. I think Gary uh, Walker has his work cut out for him once again. You know, he in Orlando, he and the medical staff, Austin Berry. I mean, it was it was a challenge for them to have to deal with the conditions, with the humidity, with, um, you know, the heat and, and just having the guys not having played games in so long, getting them back into um, game shape. and now you look at the season and it's like, okay, these, these games coming up, you only have a few days between like four days, I think is, you know, the first couple games, four days between the the first two and then the second and third. So it's going to be a challenge to make sure that these guys are, are staying fit. They're staying healthy. And yeah, do you rotate the squad? I mean, it's, it's going to be a, another challenge for the the staff and the players. Yeah. I mean, they're basically playing it's not exact, but they're roughly playing the same amount of games now as they did at MLS's back tournament. Obviously, mm -hmm. standards hopefully have changed. I mean, you've been playing with Yopstam now for a while. Well, relatively speaking, mm -hmm. um, given the amount of time he's been here. So it feels like you have momentum. Take the momentum. And uh, let's see how much you can do, make some big steps in a short amount of time. Yeah, I think the the confidence is there in the group. And um, if they can carry that in, I know it's a long stretch of time to go from one game to the next, but I do think that they established that belief in themselves. And I think the fans started believing as well, seeing what this team is capable of, what they can accomplish and the progress that was made overall from the beginning of the tournament to the end and not even the beginning of the tournament, but the first day Yopstom started in Cincinnati to the end of that tournament, you can visibly see the the progress that's been made with this group of guys. And so I think as long as they continue to carry that and just continue to build on it, that's only going to play into their favor. For sure. I think fans feel the same too. Um, so I, you know, I've covered the team for five years and I never celebrate when they score. Uh, when I was at what? the newspaper, well, when I, like when I was at the newspaper, it didn't. Even I do. No. <laughs> well, I was like, if they score, cool. They don't, you know, my mm -hmm. life continues. Um, and I kind of felt like that all of last year, except for when they were bad losses. But uh, when Mechu scored against Portland, I was psyched. And then uh, obviously it got called back, you know, so be it. But then um, like even Jurgen finishing his penalty, I was like, this is what fans must feel like. Then I'm yeah. making sure we're tweeting out the right information. 
Did I that's spell the guy's I, name right? That's why I don't sit in the press box, Charlie, because I get too pumped when we score. So uh, see, nobody I never can be celebrating in the press box. <laughs> I never cheer. I'm actually, if like I'm watching the game at home, I'm kind of annoying because I'm like, shut up! I gotta hear who had the assist. So, <laughs> so it's nice to kind of have a little fan moment for once. Nice. But um, good. Anyway, speaking of fans, we have a fan favorite coming up on this podcast. Now, today is Tuesday. Tomorrow is Wednesday. That means it's also the fifth anniversary of FC Cincinnati from when the team was launched. Uh, I still remember that day at – it was in UC Athletic Building. Um, no one really knew what to expect. They are just like, yeah, we're going to have a team. Let's hope it's going to be big. John Harks is there. Obviously, a lot's happened since. Um, so we talked to Jimmy McLaughlin about that, who wasn't on the team yet, but was on the first team the following year and has really ridden the roller coaster of just everything that's happened with this team. Absolutely. Jimmy McLaughlin, great guy. Um, awesome personality, just easy to talk to, brings so much energy and um, love, love watching his speed on the field as well. For sure. And it's um, just to give you a little heads up, one thing I will say it seems like everyone always likes to talk about like that first season, you know, and everything mm-hmm. that happened. But in this podcast, in this interview, we kind of talk about, you know, everything that's been happening since. And Jimmy, you'll hear this from him in a second saying, maybe this tournament that we just had is the start of something special and we just don't know it yet. So with that, we will take a brief message from our partners and we'll jump right into our interview with Jimmy McLaughlin. Donation is diversity. It does not discriminate on the basis of race or color. Sophomore year of high school, I was diagnosed with polycystic kidney disease. Through parts of college, my kidney function deteriorated to the point that I needed a transplant. But fortunately, my adopted sister was able to be my donor. Having my transplant has made me be more appreciative of the gift I was given, and I can pass that gift on. August is National Minority Donor Awareness Month. Register to be an organ, eye, and tissue donor today at lifepassiton.org. All right, welcome into our latest interview segment on the Orange and Blue Review. And who better to celebrate the club's fifth birthday with than with Jimmy McLaughlin, the only player who's been with the team all five seasons. Jimmy, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. It's uh, nice to be back in, in the real world and real civilization. And, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. I was just going to say, Jimmy, what was the, the first thing you did when you got back? First thing I did, I guess I just – I came straight home um, to see my girlfriend and, uh, and our dog and just kind of relaxed and enjoyed uh, a quiet night in without eating um, out of a plastic container and, <laughs> and having a million meetings and everything. So it was nice just to relax and, and sleep in and then kind of have nothing to do for a couple of days. How nice is it? Uh, eating with silverware, drinking out of glasses, walking wherever you want, <laughs> not being told when you have to eat. It's a change, but I'll tell you what, it's, it's been taking some adjusting. I mean, even driving a car, it's been 30 days or something, and I was dri- just driving on the highway, and people are flying by me. I mean, I don't know if, if I'm just not used to driving or just being a little more cautious than usual, but um, yeah, even the social interactions are, are a bit of a change, so uh, I'm, I'm getting back into the swing of things. I was going to say my battery was dead when we... Uh got back. I saw uh, some post about that or something. The last thing you want, you've been traveling all day to get home and that yeah. happens, huh? Yeah. My car wasn't ready. Wasn't ready for the return. <laughs> Hopefully this return was better than, uh, is it the trip to Tucson, I think? Everyone came back. We landed. It was like one in the morning and just scraping off cars with ice and it was icy all over the road. So 
Yeah, no, this it was smooth for me. Unfortunately, um, for Alex, I guess it wasn't as smooth. Just a quick right. COVID test, and then you get to go home. Um, but yeah, the charter flights made uh, everything a bit more enjoyable. For sure, that was easy. Well, very nice. I mean, just looking back at last month, the MLS's back tournament. I know, obviously, you didn't play and you missed time with an injury, but how would you evaluate everything that's gone on and then just your own personal progress? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a, a really unique experience for, for everyone going into it. I, I think everybody had some anxiety and no one was, was really sure what to expect. Um, but by the second or third week of it, I, it was all running really smoothly. And um, I think overall, uh, from a safety perspective, it, it was a big success. And um, for the team as well. I mean, we go down there and, you know, the three group stage matches uh, are, are regular season games and we come out of there with six out of nine points and uh, we're losing a tough penalty kick shootout um, against the team that's now in the final. Um, I think overall it was great for the club and, and to see us bounce back from that first tough game against Columbus, I think is the big takeaway. Um, I think last year in particular, we had a lot of games like that and we kind of got in this, uh, this slump where it just seemed like, you just thought that was going to continue to happen and, and to see the response from the group um, after frankly a demoralizing loss to come back and, and put together three really strong performances, I think is a, a really positive sign of, of what, to, what is to come from uh, this team. Jimmy, what was your experience of the Portland game specifically? Cause you guys kind of were seated in a, a different area and cause you can only have so many players or, staff on the bench, certain number sure. of people. And um, I remember walking down to the corner to, to get photos of Jurgen's penalty um, in regular time. And, and you were just like, this game's crazy. This game's crazy. It's so nuts. I mean, even just spectating a game when there's no fans and you can hear everything and you're on a different position uh, watching the game than you usually would be. It just made for a unique experience. I mean, as the whole tournament was, but um, no, it was really cool, and it, it was it was just fascinating to kind of hear the just every single word that everyone's exchanging on the field, and even uh, to celebrate with Jurgen and the guys on his goal um, was something pretty cool that wouldn't happen in a normal situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that game just had so many ups and downs, and a roller coaster of, of emotions with uh, Matt Chu's goal that gets called back for the VAR, and obviously then they score, and then we tie it up, and then we're getting a couple of big chances. I mean, it was just. Uh, I think it was a fun game to watch and um, an enjoyable game for spectators on both sides. Yeah, I was so bummed Matthew's goal got called back. The celebration was amazing. And it was just so ironic because later that night, the staff bus didn't work. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everything came back to that, yeah. <laughs> oh, it was amazing. So good. Um, Jimmy, I am curious. So we talk about how you unfortunately didn't get to, to participate in the games. You started out great in training and then had to deal with an injury. I feel like for people in the bubble, it was already really, really challenging mentally. You know, you're in your rooms, you're, you don't get to leave the premises, the resort. Yeah. There, a lot of people didn't have balconies in their rooms. So you're like, we talked about the, the food, you're eating in styrofoam containers. It's, it's a tough place to be um, when you don't have like the support system of your, your loved ones, your families, fans, any of that. And you're down there for 31 days. How, how were you able to deal with that just mentally? I feel like it's even more challenging when you can't even play with the team in training and you're having to do extra work off to the side. I mean, honestly, it was brutal. Just the, the timing was really poor. I mean, I, I felt like I had a strong first week and was kind of getting back um, right. into the swing of normal practice after a big layoff for everybody. Um, so to have an unlucky um, ankle sprain like that, that I, I 
didn't initially think was going to be that bad. I, I thought right. at, at first it was just going to maybe be a few days and, and then kind of realized it was a, a bit worse than I initially expected. Um, it was really tough. I mean, when you're injured um, at home, you have the ability to um, kind of get your mind off things, you know, I mean, you can hang out with your, your family or your friends mm -hmm. and, and, and you're not just surrounded by soccer and, and recovering 24 seven. So um, to be in the bubble and, and not to be able to participate in the training with the team or in the games and everything, and to just be kind of forced to think about this injury 24 seven, um, it was really hard. And, and it really, it, it took a toll on me, I think, in the, the first maybe week or so of, of the injury when I realized it was going to be a little longer than I thought. But at the end of the day, I mean, you just got to pick yourself up, move on, do everything you can to, to get better. And um, I was just trying to set a goal for myself that if we did continue to progress in the tournament, that I would have uh, the possibility of, of being help, healthy and available for selection. So um, that's kind of how I kept myself going and um, just realizing that there's more games to come after this tournament as well and uh, just using it to, to get back to 100%. It's kind of an interesting situation because both of you guys were in the bubble. Obviously, you were there and then you've had some downtime from it. But for everybody else that's just stayed in Cincinnati, it seemed like, you know, you start, you mentioned that demoralizing loss to Columbus. Yeah. But the amount of progress and the hope by the end, like losing to Portland penalties, I think everyone's like, all right, let's go. We've seen this team progress. It feels like things are different. Uh, I'm curious for you now as someone who's been a part of the team now since the 2016 season, how do you view where FC Cincinnati is per, uh, currently kind of like in the growth of the club? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a – I think this tournament was a turning point for the club in MLS. I mean, obviously last season didn't go the way anybody wanted it to go. And um, – I think the club's been working hard to, to turn everything around. And, and I think there were some positive signs early on in the season, even though we don't get the, the results that we wanted. And then this pandemic comes and it's this obviously, again, once in a lifetime type experience over the last four months and um, a new coach comes in, a new philosophy is being put into place. And to have a tournament like this um, with just two weeks of having the new coach here uh, to put his plan together, I think, was kind of a just threw everybody in the fire and it was one of those moments where you kind of either sink or swim as a group and I, I think we came together pretty quickly and, and responded so well and I really do think um, the team has become a lot closer and everyone's becoming uh, more on the same page with, with how we want to play and, and how we do things here and um, it, it's setting the precedent for the future games to come that FC Cincinnati is going to be a, a tough team to play week in and week out and it's going to be a, a battle for whoever comes to play us on um, whether you're top of the league or, or bottom of the league so um, I, I think it's it's a moment we're going to look back on maybe in a year or two and we're going to be like this was the moment that FC Cincinnati became a, a fighting force in MLS and, and a team to, to be watched out for. What what do you mainly attribute that to? We spoke to Andrew Gutman um, on the last podcast, and he had talked about just having a sense of belief in in the system, and you get to start building confidence in yourself and one another when you understand what you're playing for, who you're playing for. Um, and and I remember watching in the locker room the post game speech from Yatsong to the group, and you know you were standing there very intently nodding your head, like just so bought into what what he was saying and. What what do you attribute this this kind of shift to and, and this buy-in from the whole group? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of different factors. I mean, I think Yap is is a guy who's he's played at the highest level, you know, and he's uh, 
he's played for some of the best managers in the world and he has a plethora of, of experience and um, he, he knows how to, to get the best out of players and the most out of players. And he's someone that we all respect and he brings a, a certain type of discipline, I think, to the group. And he makes it clear that the, the, the number one thing that this group is going to have to do is work hard. And that's a, a prereq prerequisite for anybody playing. It doesn't matter how talented you are or if you're the, the big player. I mean, that, that's something everyone's going to have to do and everyone has to buy into that. Um, so I think you see that discipline and that hard work in, in the last three games of the tournament from us. And when you, when you start with that and you have everybody bought into that, it makes um, the skill and the talent, I think, come out from everybody else. So um, I, I think that's the main thing. And then you go through this experience where we're all locked in a hotel together for 30 some days and it, it, it kind of forces you to, to figure some of this stuff out and it forces you to, to come closer as a group. And I think the combination of those two things is, has made for a special growth uh, within the locker room and, and you see guys um, bought into the system and, on, and also bought into each other. And I think that's so much of it and, and having belief in uh, the teammates around you that you can go out and, and, and conquer another team is, is maybe the most important thing. So um, yeah, obviously a belief in the, the philosophy and I, I think a belief in the group. You know, if you would have said back in 2015, hey, FC Cincinnati is going to be in MLS in 2020 and two games into the season, you have a pandemic. You'd be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> the fact they're in MLS, the pandemic, you know, everything going on. What's it like for you as a player to witness all these crazy things that just seem super unlikely, just be kind kind of becoming the norm for FC Cincinnati? Sure. I mean, I think that's kind of the MO for FC Cincinnati from day one. I mean, if you look back five years ago and – nobody would have expected Nippert Stadium to be full of 20,000 people for a soccer game. I mean, that's something that had never been done. And, and to see the growth um, of the club over the last five years, I, I think it's something that might never be done again in U.S. soccer. I mean, it's becoming harder and harder to, to get into MLS and especially uh, the way that we did. I mean, you look at the U.S. Open Cup run. I mean, who would have thought a USL team's knocking off uh, two MLS teams and they're going to the semifinal of the US Open Cup and, and playing in front of 30 some thousand in, in a Nippert Stadium. Um, and then to the MLS announcement in, in a record breaking time. I mean, this club continues to do things that I, I think nobody expects and um, continues to kind of push the bar and, and grow. And um, of course, this year is another crazy situation with this global pandemic and, and the season getting um, postponed for a while. So, yeah, I mean, always un expect the unexpected with FC Cincinnati. And, and I think you always need to realize that this club uh, is going to find a way to succeed and it's going to continue to uh, to grow and, and push the limits uh, of itself. I mean, just going off that, one of the things everyone likes to talk about, the, the cup run, talk about all the fans at the beginning. Um, no one really asks about this. What do you think about the amount of enthusiasm that's basically started since the MLS announcement that it was happening? Obviously, the USL um, supporter shield, but just seeing this explosion of fandom that wasn't there maybe in the beginning, but has kind of taken over now and has become the new norm. Yeah, I mean, just to, to see it turn from kind of like a, a grassroots, a startup club, you know, a uh, a USL team that maybe was kind of trendy in the beginning years to now like a major sports team in Cincinnati and, and one that rivals uh, the Bengals and the Reds, I think is, is something super interesting. And you can see um, just kind of the difference in terms of just the overall fandom of, of the team in the city. I mean, it, it is on the same level as these major league teams. Um, and, I, and I think that's always been the goal of FC Cincinnati. Um, I mean, I remember the first season, 
after a game, we were out at a bar celebrating, and, and for the first time, we saw somebody wearing an FC Cincinnati jersey with somebody's name on the back. And we're, we, that's something we never thought was going to happen at the USL level. I mean, that just really isn't a thing around the, the country in the different markets. And now to see that just kind of be a normal occurrence in, in guys uh, getting, I mean, they're stars now. I mean, guys getting recognized uh, consistently around the city and, and seeing all the, uh, the different advertisements of, of the club. Um, it, it's really now become a major thing in this city and it, it's uh it's been really cool to watch as somebody who's been a part of it do you ever stop and i mean obviously i'm sure after games you're like did we just do that but is, is it really possible to think hey i was with this team in the third division and now you know we're playing and we're on the cusp of moving into this brand new soccer cathedral with west end Stadium. yeah it is. I mean, sometimes you got to take a step back and, and really look at the whole thing. And in the moment, you know, it, it just kind of feels like the normal progression and, and it just keeps happening. And then you do have some of these big moments where you look back and, and maybe you just take a step away. And, and it is like one of those wow experiences. I mean, I think the, the big first ones were maybe the Crystal Palace game. We, we look back and it's like, this is insane. The stadium's completely packed we're playing a, an EPL team and then you have the Open Cup and wow we just knocked off um, I, I mean Columbus Crew and Chicago Fire on ESPN I mean that's another one of those moments and now you kind of look back and you see we're about to move into a 200 million dollar stadium where a couple years ago we were practicing at random grass fields around the Cincinnati area so <laughs> just to see this ridiculous growth it, it, it's when you're here and you're part of the club it kind of just feels normal I mean it's just you're taking it day by day. And so you don't really see the, the progression, but when you really do take a step back and, and try to appreciate the growth that has happened, it really is phenomenal. I mean, I think in terms of the, the resources FC Cincinnati's put together for the players, it's top of the league now. I mean, we have an unbelievable training facility. We're gonna have an unbelievable stadium. I mean, I don't think there's anything more that you could ask for as a, as a player to, to, to have to make yourself the best um, of your abilities. I remember the game against AFC Cleveland, th their goalkeeper made all these crazy saves, kind of <laughs> like at the hour mark. And it made me wonder, like, what would things be like if that game just didn't happen? I know. I mean, I think there's a lot of things you could look back on for this club. And, and you could say, if it didn't go this way, this club wouldn't be in this position now. I mean, I, I think all of those things essentially went FC Cincinnati's way, which is a big reason why this growth happened so quickly. And it was so un unprecedented. I mean, even think about the first home game or something like that. I mean, what if Sean Acoli doesn't have that super kick? I mean, <laughs> what, what if Charlotte comes back and wins that game? Is it the same, I don't know, excitement that it, that it generates? And does it have people telling their friends to come out to these games um, that it maybe that would not have happened if that didn't happen? So um, yeah, I think the AFC Cleveland, I think that whole Open Cup run in general, like, could have definitely not have gone that way. I mean, we had a tough game against Louisville at home the next week, or and then obviously the Columbus game. All, all these could have gone different ways. So um, it, it is special that it all kind of happened. And I, I think FC Cincinnati, uh, for a lack of, of, of better words or explanation, just kind of has it. You know, we have that, that ability to pull these moments off, and, and hopefully there's going to be a lot more of those going forward. So, Jimmy, question question for you. How does Jimmy McLaughlin celebrate five years of FC Cincinnati? Oh, wow. Um, I'm going to have Gary come over and bake me <laughs> an orange and blue cake, and uh, <laughs> we're going to sing some of the chants and everything and maybe rewatch um, all the, the best 
games from the last five years. Um, no, I don't know. I mean, it, it's crazy to think that it's been five years. And um, it, again, it, it's difficult to take a step back and, and really appreciate it all when you're in the moment. But maybe I'll, I'll try to find some time. And, and um, I mean, even occasionally now, I, I look back at some old games that I just see on YouTube or on my, that I have saved on my computer and everything. So it's always fun to, uh, to look back and, and kind of appreciate all the moments and, and to look at the path that, is, that has brought us here. And um, I think that could be a good way for not just me, but everybody to, to celebrate uh, the five-year anniversary of a club that's been so special to everybody who's been involved. And, and I think everybody in this city, I mean, bigger than anything, this club has kind of it's changed my life for sure and I think it's created a, a bunch of friendships and, and, and connections that never would have been anything if it wasn't for um, what FC Cincinnati has brought to this city so um, yeah no it's a special moment and uh, it's going to be exciting to see the progression over the next five years. Awesome. Well, we're looking forward to the future. That's right. That's the FC Cincinnati way. You know, there's always, <laughs> always something always something next. I mean it's just a matter of a matter of time so. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and enjoy tomorrow. The celebrations apparently with you and Gary. <laughs> Watch out for, I feel like he'd get some hair in that cake. I don't know if I trust Gary baking for me. Yeah. I'm not sure how good it's going to be. Um, I don't think Gary's too happy after uh, the drawing I did of him. So we're going to have to hash it out when he's over here baking the cake. Well, thank you so much, you man. Go. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Jimmy. However you're connecting at home, make sure you're doing it at the speed of fiber. With the only fiber network in town, Cincinnati Bell gives you the fastest internet with speeds up to a gig, the bandwidth you need to support all your devices at once, and whole home Wi-Fi to keep your whole home connected. That means your entire household can work, learn, listen, stream, game, binge watch, and browse from anywhere in the house, all at the same time without buffering or delays. Cincinnati Bell, powered by fiber to power your connected life. Welcome back. We just spoke with Jimmy McLaughlin. Cool hearing his stories. Cool hearing about what he has planned to hang out with Gary, apparently. But good catch from you with the hair in the cake. That is something you got to watch out for, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. Especially with that mane, you know, those those luscious locks that Gary has. <laughs> it just doesn't go, doesn't go well in the kitchen. No, Gary's not good for the kitchen. But we've got a uh, – I mean, it was cool just getting to talk to him. Again, Jimmy is – the things he talks about, like the club, I thought it was really fascinating when he's saying, you know, we went out after a game and people are wearing your jersey. And, like, this is the USL. Um, right. Again, because our job is very much like every single day we're around the team, we don't think much about it. But it is remarkable that basically the whole Cincinnati sports landscape hasn't completely changed, but has been significantly altered since the team started. I think, I think it's so impressive. I remember that was one of the first things that really stood out to me. Um, when I came here. So I came for an interview and then I came to look at a house. Um, that was how quick everything kind of happened. I, I stuck around to help out Columbus, but um, I, I do remember like in Columbus, you know, you don't really see the badge anywhere around downtown, at least not when I was working there uh, around local businesses. Downtown. It was much rarer. And when I came to Cincinnati and I looked at this house that we were going to rent and sign a lease with, the um, woman who is now my landlord was wearing an FCC shirt. And I was like, no way, this is crazy. <laughs> like, what are the chances? So afterward, we go to Mad Tree to celebrate because we ended up signing the lease and decided we were going to move there. 
and I go to Madrid and I see more FCC shirts. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And I was so pumped just to see how many people supported the team and that there was actually pride and everyone's wearing the gear and it wasn't a match day. So to me, that was, that was amazing. And I, I love seeing that. So you're right from the start to be able to see the city developing, to see people latching on and getting excited about this club is incredible. Yeah. It's cool that you mentioned stuff like that. Like, again, because I've kind of been here, you know, you just kind of get used to it. But I remember mm-hmm. like perfect example. So the first time you and I covered a game together, we were, you were with Columbus. It's that open That's cup game. True. I could tell Justin Williams got angry at a question that I asked because it was something like, how do you feel losing to a team that didn't exist that now outdraws you? And like, I totally get him getting mad, but um, cause like since then I thought of Columbus as this big rival and I'm sure Columbus, like, look, we got more important things yeah. to worry about. We're in MLS. Like we, we play at Atlanta. I think they were, that's when they were playing at Georgia tech. So it was like mm. college stadium, the college stadium. Yep. But um, yeah, they're, they're, it really is crazy seeing like, even now, if you just go around town, it could be the bleak, like bleak midwinter and people are wearing FC Cincinnati scarves. It's so. true. I love it. My, uh, actually, Charlie, my two year work, work anniversary is coming up on Thursday. Oh, wow. Yeah. One birthday. Maybe you'll have Gary come over too. There you go. There you go. I remember the, my first game with the club, it was the birthday. So I actually, I technically started the day before my official work anniversary. It was, um, the match on the, the 12th and, uh, there, there were cupcakes and everything, and I was like, "This is amazing! I love this!" And yeah, it was. I got to celebrate the club's birthday, my first game with FCC. You know who they played against? I want to say uh, there was a it game was against Richmond or Pittsburgh. I think it, yeah, it was definitely Richmond. I remember Richmond. Yeah, I remember the birthday bash because they played against a team that just looked absolutely garbage. So no offense. Hey, to that's a great there. way to party. Yeah. <laughs> That was a lot better than the, I think, the year before birthday, but we don't need to get into that one. Switching to a more important topic, on Monday, FC Cincinnati announced their next move to fight racial discrimination and social injustices. The club unveiled one club, one community, one goal, which is an internal and external initiative to help bring meaningful change and positive impact in greater Cincinnati community. If you go to fccincinnati.com slash social dash justice, take a look and see what the club's unveiled. It's a really powerful display, and there's meaningful actions behind the the graphics. There are quotes from players, from the staff. Uh, There's information about the $250,000 that the club invested into the local community to fight racial discrimination. There's inclusion numbers at Weston Stadium Construction. There's plenty of that. There's more. Again, this is another step in the dialogue that the club is trying to have with the community to improve itself, but also have a positive impact. It's really well put together. I think, yeah, everyone everyone involved did an excellent job. I mean, Kate Solomon, Darius Howard, um, Chris Adams, Tara Cox, everyone who played a role in this did a, a really excellent job seeing it through from from start to finish. But the most exciting thing to me is what this program means moving forward. So now that it's established and we can look and see, okay, here's the impact that's been made. Here's what the club is doing and what they're focusing on, but what is next and how this program continues to get involved and how people can get involved in it, um, participate in one way or another, and just continue to address these issues head on. So that's what I'm, I'm excited about. I'm excited to see where things go from here, but 
Um, I'm, I'm really happy just scrolling through the webpage, how everything turned out, how it looks, um, and especially the field, Mercy Health Training Center. We were talking yes. about this before we started recording the podcast. They, they did that while we were, um, no one was out here training, but it just, it looks great. And I love to see a big, bold statement like that. No, it, that looks incredible. And it's cool for us, you know, we've had this podcast, we've tried to have people on like Darius Howard, uh, a coworker we obviously had on the podcast, mm-hmm. um, but we spoke to Big Cat, Omar Cummings. And one of the biggest thing he said is, you know, you just have to listen, be open. And one of the things that is coming out of this is the diversity forum, which is going to have some staff, players and fans get together and really try to push the narrative forward. Um, again, FC Cincinnati, we always hear that a club is more than, you know, a soccer team and that it really wants to represent the community. I think this is a nice way to show, look, we are trying to do a lot to change things going on in the Queen City and hopefully we can be a positive impact. So a big credit to all those involved and then what's going to come in the future from this. In the the next five years when we'll be celebrating FC Cincinnati's uh, future birthdays as well. I can't even believe that. Yeah, a decade. I was thinking about that. I almost asked um, Jimmy. I think he played with Ray Gaddis uh, for Philadelphia, who's been there for like nine mm-hmm. years. But yep. I always wondered, like, what's more crazy, going from third tier USL into making an MLS roster and joining the team, or you know, just having that consistency? There's FC Cincinnati has no understanding of what nine years looks like. Like, let's just be honest, we haven't hit that point yet. We're halfway. Not there. yet. Not yet. But thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Thank you for understanding that we took a week off as people from Florida recovered while the rest of us sat around. (laughs) Not true, not true. You guys held held down the fort for us. But again, August 21st, FC Cincinnati play their Nippert home opener, and it feels good to say, against DC United, who they were supposed to play in March. But we'll have more content at fccincinnati.com and across our social media channels. There's a lot of cool content coming out at westendstadium.com as well, tracking the growth and construction of our future home. But as always, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, which is available on SoundCloud, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So that's it for this week. Thank you for listening. Again, I'm Charlie, and she is Alex, and we will talk to you later. Yeah.